Greetings, Questa, and welcome to the Meddlesome Meeples. Grab an ale, sheathe your axe, and join us fireside. Here's your host, Matt Williams, with Richard and Heather. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Meddlesome Meeples. I'm Matt. I'm Richard. I'm Heather. So, Richard, what games are we going to be talking about this week on the Quest Report? We are going to be talking, first of all, about alien legendary encounters. And there is also going to be kind of an archived thing. But yeah. we talked about Descent. It was a quest we did quite a while ago when we were a few months younger. And um, we're going to <laughs> it, was a, it was a good quest. And uh, we're going to tell you all about it. That's one from the vaults. Mm. We'll also be doing a Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. This time, about video game we've finally crossover characters yeah we've finally realized they exist yeah <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done that yet we've not we've not, not actually really. spoken about video games <laughs> in 12 episodes well in 11 episodes so now episode 12 wow. we've got there we're talking <laughs> about video game characters and which characters from one game we'd like to see in another game's universe mm. this is this is escalating my eyes twitching <laughs> 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 we made your eyes twitch yeah so Heather and I, obviously, are going to be talking about yep. the Bard's Corner, aren't we? Yeah, as usual. Yeah. And <laughs> Richard, this week, is going to be bringing us not quite a Tome Talk reading recommendation, but a Tome Talk in itself. Because it's not well, one you... Well, sometimes it's... Yeah. Sometimes you you ask if I would recommend the book, mm. and like I don't want to just say I recommend every single book, because yeah. then it just loses mm. its power. But, but this... you didn't really rag it either, did you? No, no, it's just a book I've read this Can month. Yeah. And I want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. And that is um, from Blade Runner... Well, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep <laughs> author. author. Philip K. Dick, yeah. Better known for Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Counterclock book... Worlds. Yeah, Counterclock World. Yeah. Counterclock World, sorry. You're thinking of the uh, the film... Maybe, I don't know. I may be thinking of Red Dwarf. Oh, okay. Just yeah. Generally. Episode. Yeah, okay. So we have nothing to add to this. <laughs> 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 I drink and don't know stuff. How to wash her hands of our weirdness. Of course, that's back on for regular viewers. Yes. So, what are we, uh, what have we all been up to this week? What was, what's everyone been doing? Um, I had a trip down to Oxford and saw my sister. It's been uh, yeah, it's been a nice week basically. You were playing so, yeah. some games with her as well, weren't you? Yeah, we were. Yeah, um, games from the expo. So yeah, we we probably we might talk about it on another kind of quest report. Maybe like when she's back here sometime. Mm. Yeah, because you bought it uh, as a gift for her, didn't you? Uh, which which game was that again? It was um, the Jane Austen's Matchmaker. Aww. Yes, I've heard good things about it, but I've not played it. It, it is is actually so thematic. And you can you kind of really feel for people having to think about stuff like wealth and social status and things like that when you've got these cards <laughs> and you're trying to wonder whether you should swap it for another one. Yeah, you kind of feel for the for the Bennett's mum having those five daughters. <laughs> <laughs> now, personally, I've not been up and about much the last uh, couple of weeks because I've uh, I've not been poly. well. I've I've, had, I've been in hospital. Uh, but I did. That's get... what I've been doing. Looking <laughs> after you. I did get to mix morphine and wild turkey, so it wasn't a complete loss. Um, so Other than the memory, so morphine's a mixer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. But I mean, I've um, while I've not been well, I have taken the opportunity to binge watch a lot of Stargate SG One, which is always fun. And I've been doing a lot of uh, painting of some of my models, so I've, I've finished complete 
completely finished now painting up my mansions of madness yes investigators yeah. and monsters it's going to be cool next time we play that it's we, we normally play it with the little grey guys yeah. but now they all look like proper little things yeah it's it's scary. Scary. yeah oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty scary before <laughs> the horror <laughs> so yeah looking forward to getting those to the table so I've, I've not really been up to much apart from that have you you've no, basically I've been, been looking, looking after, after me because yeah. I've been poor Actually, I've took the opportunity to take the kids out a lot so we've been we've been all over the we've been to parks we've been visiting people it's actually been pretty good for me <laughs> <laughs> I've been well, helping and I've been tagging along some more, of the binge watching maybe so. I should spend more time in bed who knows <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have been a little bit high because of all the codeine that's in my system of the last last few days right. so um, some of what I have to say might not be entirely sane We'll see if anybody notices the difference. I was going to say we won't notice the difference. <laughs> Actually, I was going to feel sorry for you, but you've been binge-watching SG1, which sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> no, it's not just me. <laughs> I'm in pain. You're painting and watching TV, you poor person. <laughs> yeah. You want to shame, morphine. Well, that's it. I think oh, I'm going to... terrible. I know. You guys enjoy the show. I'm going to go take some morphine. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to do that too. So on this episode of The Quest Report, Richard and I are going to be talking about a game that has frustrated us on many occasions, Legendary Encounters Alien. Can we just talk about the Alien Resurrection one? If that, That's the frustrating <laughs> one, isn't it? That is the frustrating <laughs> one. We'll, yeah. We will get to that. All right. Okay. Now, Legendary Encounters is based on the same game design as like the Marvel Legendary games. There's a number of games that fall into these two ca- categories, either Legendary or Legendary Encounters. If you're familiar with one but not the other... Legendary tends to be a lot more random, where you're you're drawing like a a villain and then putting a team together to fight him. Legendary Encounters tends to take you through a more story and objective-based scenario. I think I've only done that, haven't I? I Have we done Legendary on its own? We've done some of the other ones, yeah. Oh, okay. That's right. Um, And there's quite a few, isn't there? Because there's a ton of content for the Marvel Legendary, but then on top of that there's Legendary Encounters Firefly, Legendary Encounters Predator... Um, there's oh, yeah. a Buffy one, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's quite a few. Uh, the first one I got, and my favourite out of all of them, is still Legendary Encounters Alien. Yeah. Well, that was my first Legendary Encounters game. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was really good. Now in Legendary Encounters, um, there's different ways of playing. So you can uh, play through the scenarios, which is each of the the four films of, yeah. from Alien. And it is quite thematic, isn't it? It feels mm. so thematic. Mm. Uh, the artwork is really good. It is a deck builder. So mm. you start off with a, a team of grunts and specialists. And then you're trying to buy um, new crew members to mm. augment your deck. You're trying to uh, f- uh, find and complete an objective. And the way it works is you've got a playmat. And that's divided into different sections. So you've got the complex, which is where all the alien creatures are working their way through. Yes. Uh, and they're going to try and get to the complex. And once they're in the complex, they are going to... Uh, sorry, uh, once they're in the HQ, they are going to attack you. Mm. So they? basically, they're they're coming to get you. Yeah. And they're going to do it through all these different rooms that are at the top. So the complex is divided into different rooms, yeah. isn't it? And there's um, five rooms at the top, so you've yeah. got a little bit of time before they actually do come for you. But you can um, see them coming. You know, it's horrible. It make, it's quite <laughs> intense sometimes. Cause it it's, is, yeah. The way it works, on your turn, you'll have uh, your hand of six cards, and the first thing you do is you add a, a new alien card, which is called a hive card, to the complex. And you, you go, and they're moving across to the left, and once they've gone through the five complex rooms, that's when they come for you. So mm-hmm. you have, depending on the number of players, you do have a couple of turns 
before you're actually forced to fight an alien. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not very long, though, is it? it I mean, they come through very quickly, and then once they're there, they can sometimes come quite thick and fast, and different effects can trigger having more enemies put in. But it's kind of got a standard deck builder um, element to it in the sense of you start mm. off with attack cards and money cards, and you use your money to buy better cards for your deck. And they go in your discard pile, so you have to wait for them to come back round. That's right, and then yeah. you are um, using your attack cards to scan rooms and defeat enemies. Mm. Now, along the way, you're trying to complete objectives, so the final ob objective is always to maybe kill a particular enemy, so it might be an alien queen, um, something like that that you've got to kill, but either way, you're working through, and it can be a case of finding a card sometimes, can't it? Yes, because on the first one, don't you need to find like the airlock, and then yeah. then you attach it, and to the room yeah, and... basically you're going to be trying to blow the alien out into space, <laughs> as the plan was. But it's as a game, it's a very simple mechanically, because all you're doing is you're drawing cards, you're playing the cards. Uh, the way the order in which you play cards from your hand makes a difference, because quite often with a lot of games, if you've got some sort of ally ability by playing two cards of a particular class or something like that then you quite often will get that ally ability on both cards. On this, you get it on the second one you play with a particular symbol. That is quite annoying. So you sometimes you're thinking, well, I want to use both of these abilities, but I've got to choose one and not the other. And it can, it can make you have to play in a particular way sometimes to make sure you've got the sequence right. But that is still enjoyable and it makes you think and it makes you play strategically. You might be able to uh, coordinate with somebody on their turn. That's a good part of it. That is fun. They can help you. Yeah, your other teammates can help you on yeah. your turn. And, yeah. so and it doesn't cost them anything. So, for example, I might be looking at it thinking, well, I need to fight this alien or I need to buy this particular card. And I haven't got enough money or I haven't got enough attack. And Richard can be like, okay, well, I can coordinate and you and play this card so that you get the extra money or the attack or the class ability, yeah, etc. and most of them are from the sergeant deck, aren't they? So it's basically all of the, the sergeants sergeant ones. are helping you. Yeah, all of the sergeants are coordinates, but then a number of other cards that you can get from the barracks, the cards that you buy to add to your deck, a lot of those have yes, got coordinate some abilities of that, yeah, as well. Yeah, they do. But it's really good because it means that not only can you help the other player, but the other player can then... Play, uh, put that card into his discard pile and draw another one. So it's like if Richard helps me by coordinating, he then he isn't minus a card on his turn. He just gets to replace that card. And sometimes mm. that can be quite good because you can be yeah. thinking, well, I I don't necessarily want this coordinate money card, but I could do with some extra attack. And it but gives it, you that option. It's and, always good to get through your cards quick. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. And you play an avatar, so you have a character that's tied to the films. Um, it could be a scout, a medic, or executive, something like that. Um, and whichever avatar you have, you have a one particular card in your deck that ties to that. Yeah, that gets more one. powerful as the objective level progresses. Does it? Yeah. So, for example, pretty much all of them have the ability to draw an extra card. Yeah. But then they'll give you maybe uh, money or attack. But when you're on objective one, it'll be worth one money or one attack. And when you go to objective two, that becomes worth two money and two attack and, oh, and right. so forth. So they become more powerful as the game progresses. Mm. Um, but with these games, they really do recreate the theme and the feel of aliens, the tension as the enemies are coming through face down and yeah. trying to scan the rooms and find out what they yeah, are and fight them. Down. And, and you know you, you know you're going to get hurt. <laughs> Basically, yeah. When you, when you get hurt, you have to draw a strike card. And some of them are just a flesh wound. 
Yeah. Some of them you kind of got away with it, and it's not too bad. It'd but be like some a no of them discard this. Some of them are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it can be like four wounds that can't be healed. Like a brutal puncture or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you never quite know. Some might actually make you draw extra wounds as well, mm-hmm. or yeah. make another player draw wounds because you've got something with splash damage. Yeah. Yeah. You might get be. a chest burster. Or a face yeah, hugger. Yeah, yeah. If you get a face hugger, basically you've got to kill it quick because mm. then, um, if it's still there on your next turn, you and, discard yeah. it, and you get a chest burster card, and then you put that into your deck, and then when that comes around, that's when it's the same thing that happened to uh, John Hurt in the first one, <laughs> <laughs> and basically you're gone, and I think you turn into an alien player, don't you? You can you can play <laughs> as an alien player at that point, that so weird. you're then attacking the other players, and um, it's it's quite a lot of fun. Mm. It really recreates the theme of one of my favourite film franchises. Mm. The artwork I really like. It's it's cartoony, but yeah, it really suits the theme of the game, and it's. Not necessarily child-friendly artwork, particularly well, on some of those strike cards. That's what I was going to say. It's cartoony, but the stuff happening in it is so scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it keeps the theme quite well. Um, and it is one that you can lose brutally if you're not careful. Well, it, the, you play it... Well, we played it from the first film to the fourth, mm. didn't we? And the third one took us a, a couple of goes, I think. But the fourth one, that... That killed us so many times. I think the first time we played it, we completed the first one based on the Alien film and cleared the Nostromo in the first attempt. Fairly easily, The second film, we, uh, the one recreating Aliens, we actually, I think it took us a couple of attempts on that. Hmm. But when we got around to Alien Resurrection, that one was hardcore. Yeah. We still as a group haven't completed it. We've played that game probably eight, nine times now. Yeah. Collectively, as not just us either, but other players with us. Because sometimes we die so quick, we can just get it out. Yeah. <laughs> we can just deal it out again. And we've died in that so many times. Mm. I have completed it um, in a solo game. Oh yes, I've heard this. But yeah. um, but again, there are different ways of playing and some slightly different mechanics when you're playing it solo. Well, and it's some people will say that it is easier to play solo than it is to play in a group and I can see why people would think that because your deck's going to be more diluted because you, you, you've you not just got all the best cards to choose from because other people will be taking those oh, as right, well yeah, so yeah, when you're playing solo you, yeah. can, you can go through and just pick out the best cards that are available well I think we, um, we did refine our strategy as we went along and we did get pretty close to winning a couple of times and then quite a few times actually time, sometimes it's come down to like the last turn hasn't it, it and has. we've still lost yeah and we, we have thought sometimes we sometimes complete objective two too fast on mm. that one because the second objective in um, Alien Resurrection is where you're killing these clones. So there's mm. character cards that are put into the operations room as uh, failed clones. Mm. Uh, that's meant to be the bit where Ripley sees all the clones of ourselves. And they are kind of easy to kill, aren't they? Mm. I mean, you have to use your gold to kill them instead of... No, using attack. No, use attack, but you c- but you attack their gold. You're attacking their gold value. So yeah, if they cost it. three to buy, then you need three attack to hit them. But some of them did cost eight for us, but... Um, I think the most valuable card in there costs nine, doesn't it? Yeah. But we haven't had that one yet. The thing the is, clones. though, we were just trying to get through the objective, but then I think it's better to build up a bit mm. before the last one, because we were getting too many events Yeah. on the third objective, and the objective... The event cards, when they come through, 
it depends which section of the game you're on. And if you're on the third one, it's brutal. So we were basically, we were getting to objective three and we still had like five event cards in the deck. Because the way that the deck works for the, the hive deck, for the aliens, um, you have decks one, two and three, which corroborate with objectives one, two and three. But you also add drone cards into them, uh, which are, you've got a drone deck in the game. And if you've got two players, you would add two drone cards to each mini deck, one, two, and three, so you get six drone cards in total, and nine drone cards in a um, in a three-player game, three to each mini deck. But because they're random, it could be extra events, it could be extra hazards, it could be extra enemies. So if you end up with a number of hazards and, en- and events added in mm. to the existing events and hazards, that can be really punishing. Because it... Um, the events were killing cards in the HQ, weren't they, for us? And we which, ended up with only two that we could possibly buy. Which effectively, yeah, the HQ, sorry, not the HQ, the barracks oh, is yeah. where we buy cards from. So like in Star Realms and many other games, you have a, a section of five face-up cards that? that you can choose to buy from. Buy them, yeah. When you buy one, you replace it with the next card in, in the HQ. And the event on the third objective for Alien Resurrection um, involved putting in the event card across one of those five spaces. So yeah, we got down to just two cards to choose from. One of them was expensive as heck. We couldn't, we couldn't afford, afford it. And <laughs> yeah. the other one was always rubbish. <laughs> yeah. So then the alien killed us. So yeah. But I, I mean, what do you think, Richard, about the game overall? Aliens, legendary encounters. I know it is one of my favourites. Um, it's one of the ones I always kind of hope that we'll bring out sometime mm. because, for one thing, I love cooperative games, and also I do love those films as well. Mm. I'm not as keen on the the Predator one, but um, that's just because I prefer Alien as a franchise. Yeah. But it is fun to kind of be able, have the option of mixing those cards in. I mean, we could yes. even mix some from like the Marvel ones in. This is one of the things we haven't done yet, but one of the things I do plan to do mm. is to go through one of the Aliens films uh, with a team of Ripley, Wolverine, <laughs> Predator... That'd maybe cool. maybe Jane or Malcolm from Firefly. Yeah, but Firefly. You know, as we, well. could, we could really have some fun and mix up those different scenarios. Mm. Um, and who doesn't want to see Wolverine fighting a xenomorph? Yeah, that's you it. know that is going to be amazing when we get around to doing that. So, you know, that's going to be great. We have but been planning it, haven't we? But we have. we've been so stuck on the fourth film, <laughs> killing us all the time. That yeah, we haven't done it yet. We play, we're not we're not going to do that until we've completed that fourth film, have we? But, uh, yeah, all three of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely have to say that I do really like deck builders. I've got a lot of deck builders in my collection. Mm-hmm. Aliens is probably my favourite deck builder. I mean, I love Star Realms and I play Star Realms a lot as well. And That's Ascension a lot smaller, and some of the other ones. Yeah, it's a lot smaller. Um, and with this, I love the objective-based element to it as well. Mm-hmm. And as I say, it's so thematic. It really does capture the theme and the feel of the films. It's fun to play. Um, there's a lot that you can do with this because you've got the different scenarios and you can play randomly you can have an alien player it's so it's just there's so much to this game and we haven't tried advanced mode yet have no we? and you've got agendas as well so you know maybe the crew are expendable and someone needs to bring back a face hugger you know all of this is something that we can explore in this game i ash highly recommend this game it is fun you've got it if you haven't already check it out it's one to five players um, and I've played it solo and it was fun solo more fun as a group but definitely check this one out Legendary Encounters Alien hmm. 
Coming through the walls. <laughs> oh no. It's game over, man. Game over. You're going to scare me with something. We're dedicating this one to the memory of Bill Paxton. Well, that was fun. Let's carry on with the show. The Meeple's Alive. Now on the quest report, we're going to be doing a little series where we look at Descent, uh, the second edition, Journeys in the Dark. And we're actually going to, in our next video for this series, we're going to start talking about how we did in our campaign. But mm. for now, what we're just going to do is we're going to look at how we found playing Descent with the Road to Legend app. So we're not going to have any spoilers. If you're worried about getting information or story about the campaign, there's going to be no spoilers in this part of the video. And when we get to our campaign, we'll give you plenty of warning, and indeed we'll put that in a separate video altogether. So just looking yeah. at mechanics and how it worked and how the app went for now. So Richard, what were your thoughts on this? Of how it works? Um, well, it's nice how much the app does for mm. you. Um, I didn't read all of the original instruction book. I basically just read like what a character does on their turn. Yeah. And I also read the instructions for using the app as well. Mm. Because like, when you... If you were playing the original version of this, then somebody would have to be like the games master, yeah, the whatever, overlord. What's it? overlord. That's it. So basically, somebody would have to be the the baddie and have to control all the enemies mm. and like make up the story and things like that. No, well, not make up the story, but um, yeah, follow through the campaign and control all the minions. And yeah, yeah, that's it. So having the app do that is really nice because mm. then we could all just work together as mm. a team and it could... makes it a fully cooperative experience, doesn't it? That's it. Yeah, and the app does take care of so many different aspects of your characters so basically we picked who we wanted to be and then we could just go through kind of picking um out of the available options yeah what this is, classes we wanted to be this is an interesting part of the setup isn't it because you yeah. pick your initial sort of like overarching uh class and then you pick a subtype within that class yeah well me and heather did anyway and well yeah i didn't get the option did yeah. I? I just got the one class because i'm a dwarf and then it kind of became obvious once we got our cards mm. so we got the cards that corresponded to those things and like my one being battle marge i was being um Leoric of the book i thought it'd be good to have someone that had a lot of lore so i'm this guy and as you can see he is holding a book as he goes <laughs> along <laughs> because he's Leoric of the book yeah you can't have imagined that he's read more than one book but he, that's the one he's taking with him mm. so yeah, I was him, and I picked Battle Marge, but then it wanted me to pick another mm. class, like you were saying. So my other one I picked, it was basically... Out... Champion, wasn't it? Yeah, I picked Champion, but they were all like combat roles. Mm. So basically, because he's a, a Battle Marge, then he gets to like have a fighting role as well. Mm. And that one was the one that gave me abilities and things. So yeah. basically, my being a mage or whatever... It didn't really feature that yeah. much in what I was doing. I was mostly being a champion, which yeah. was pretty nice. But I kind of wanted it to be both roles. Yeah. But um, I think that's something that will feature later on. Yeah. I think if I manage to pick up some more kind of rune-type weapons or something, then that will um, that will help. And we each had our own starting equipment yeah. as well, didn't we? And the app and that comes with out your, that as well. That all comes with your uh, deck, because you get... Once you've selected your like secondary um, class, your class mm -hmm. and subclass sort of thing, you 
get cards from those two classes and you start and you, it's the ones with no experience marks on the cards that you get and then you can yeah, upgrade so those cards yeah, yeah and that's for the abilities and also for the equipment as well in, in my case right and yeah. then you go on to um sort of better things as you level up which we did by the end of the the first and that um, was a very cool story thing. so that was great but yeah you're right i do like the way that the app keeps track of things yeah. the fact that like at the uh, again without going we're not going into spoilers but at the end of the game you get uh, cars that you've picked up as you go through the adventure you've got gold that you've acquired as you've gone through and the app tracks all of that in the background although just to make it more realistic we did dish out some gold coins didn't we just yeah because I make it feel like you yeah. got something when you found some gold because I searched a corner of the room didn't yeah. I and I found some gold so we got well, we had this chest at the time which was. Now got all our descent tiles in it. But at the, at time, the time, it was, it was full, full of, of old, coins. old coins. So, um, yeah, I I found like twenty one gold. So I got like one to be a twenty and one to be a one. Yeah. So I just had those. It felt quite nice. To yeah, have just to have actually some found something. But it makes a nice chink and a clink. Yeah, it? but it turned yeah. out because at this point we didn't really know if uh, if we were supposed to do anything like that. But yeah. the app did actually. It kind of took that into account. Mm. And also our gold was shared, wasn't it? Mm. So we all got some gold at the end for completing that quest. Yeah. And, and that 21 that, was just added to it. That so, kept yeah. track of that. But yeah, the, the app was good for the character creation. It, it One of the things I do like with this, well, kind of mixed feelings in a way, it tells you which tiles to put on to one side that you're going to need during the game. Right. Now, on the one hand, I like that because when we play something like Matches of Madness, another app-driven game that tells you to put the tiles out you can spend a while trying to find the right tiles mm. and that takes you out of the the vibe of the game doesn't it in a way yeah but, with but you're this... so scared that you want, <laughs> you want to break from it but with this you kind of you put you, it doesn't tell you what order or anything about the story it just says to you at the beginning right set aside these tiles mm. and then you know when you come around to needing them it's one of these few tiles and it makes right, it a yeah. lot quicker to sort out and keep the map going but it's a bit like having a premonition isn't yeah it? <laughs> so you kind of you can get an idea in a way so it's i didn't so it's kind of like something i like and didn't like yeah. but at the same time i like the way the maps were gradually revealed again same as mansions um and the the way it did a lot of that background work for you i did feel at times that the app wasn't very clear on the the way the minions were to activate, the reason we being, got a bit confused at some points, didn't we? Yeah. yeah the re the reason for the, I say that is because, um, in the original rules, it w and, um, well, sorry, in the rule book that came with Road to Legend, the app, right. it was basically saying that a player would have a turn, and then a minion would have a turn. But it wasn't quite like that. I'll just leave him. <laughs> yeah, so what what actually happened was a player would have a turn and then the minions would move and then the next two players would have their turn. Yeah, and it kind of just sort of it wasn't one for one which was it was how it was meant to be. Basically, but it would yeah. come up on the app after you because you select the character that's just had their turn, select yeah. the end of the turn and then it would either give you the opportunity to let another character have a turn or it would that the minions were going to activate. Mm, maybe so, we should have just gone with what the app said and not worried our adventure ahead about did. it. That's, so, what, that's yeah. what we did, yeah. But I'm not sure if that what happened there. But beyond that, I mean, the app I thought was very good. Mm. Um, again, I can't 
go into spoilers, and we'll talk about that later. But at the end, there was another point where I wasn't sure if I was meant to put one figure down or if I was meant to put two figures down. Or if it was meant to be a master or a normal. Yeah. So, but we'll come to that later because we can't really go into that with that uh, spoilers. But overall, I thought the app did a very good job of running things as the Overlord. Mm -hmm. It didn't have the, I would say, the sheer nastiness that an Overlord would have. But then we were kind of doing the prologue. We are, yeah, we've we're doing the uh, tutorial. Well, the um, Rise of All Goblins campaign, and it was kind of like the first step in that, wasn't it? So yeah, um, we could get more difficult. It's just I know when I've played this with a human overlord then they've been so mean <laughs> yeah which i like because it makes it a challenge but um the app didn't really do that but it's still it was great as an adventure to yeah. be able to play it cooperative it kind of felt like the story was the more important thing yeah. rather than it being an actual game it did feel yeah. a bit more like like an episode of something yeah mm. so in that sense, you know, I enjoy the mechanics of this game. I like the way the combat works with the dice. Mm -hmm. uh, the dice are a bit different. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have, like, um, there is, like, health and surges on, yeah. on the attack dice. And there's the different levels of dice, basically. Depending the... on what weapon you're using or what character you're combating. And yeah. What, what, what you've got equipped, use. sort of, defensively. Yeah. So, there's all those. And, of course... I got to play a little dwarf called Grisbane the Thirsty. Yeah, he was a cool little guy. <laughs> yeah, I do like Grisbane the Thirsty. And All this was, killing is thirsty work. Drink with me. Being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was, uh, is it Alric Albright? Yeah, Something that's like that? it. Yeah, so she was this cool knight guy with a great big mace and a shield. Although she didn't have that as a weapon, did she? No, she was time? being an archer. Yeah, that's it. So she it's was doing when we, archery. When yeah. we played uh, My Mystic, she was the archer of our group as well. She, that's She's what a she very good does. in an archer role. Yeah. Okay, my yeah, wife comes at you with a bow and an arrow, run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so is that enough about the mechanics, really? I think that's enough about the uh, mechanics. Yeah. Or we'll just say that on your turn, you can basically move and do an action. Uh, so on your turn, you can move and you can do an action. Uh, and you can do that in any order. You can interrupt your movement, can't you, to make an attack or do something? Yeah. Which might be searching because you found it, you searched a few places and found a few things. Yeah. Which we'll go into later. Um, and you've got some great little uh, minion monsters to face, and it was just a really fun little experience. And the fact that we can all play cooperatively added to that. I like, yeah, I like when we play cooperatively. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is where we're going to stop for the talking about the mechanics and if you dare then you can, you can join us and we, we actually you get to name the party and our party was called the meddlesome questers oh yeah it was one day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh we're going to be we'll probably at some future point um look back at this again and say what we thought of the mechanics once we've experienced more mm. of the game, so way yeah. down the line. Yeah, but it'll be embedded in a lot of spoilers. Yeah, and that will be highlighted if we come to that. And you can look forward to some regular quest reports on our campaign, The Rise of All Goblins. The Metal Maples present music news and reviews in conjunction with Paradise Rock UK. Hi everyone, welcome to the Bard's Corner. 
So today, uh, we've got a shorter episode this week. And a bit of a sad one. Yeah, well the first couple of announcements are a little bit on the sad side, aren't they? Um, very sadly, they're both obituaries. So, two people passed away last week from the world of music. The first one, Kenny Shields, who was the lead singer of Streetheart, a Canadian rock band. He sadly passed away at the age of 69 in hospital. Uh, this was due to heart problems. He'd been having a number of cardiac uh, troubles for a little while. Uh, he passed away Friday the 21st of July. Uh, the second one you're probably already aware of, it was quite heavily mm-hmm. publicised. Chester Bennington, uh, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, he passed away aged only 41. That was on Thursday the 20th of July. Sadly, he committed suicide. He, he hung himself. Mm. So he does leave behind uh, six children what? as well. He had six kids. Wow. So we want to pass our condolences on from everybody at the Meddlesome Meeples mm. and the Bard's Corner and Paradise Rock to all of those children as well as his uh, partner and the same to Kenny Shields and his family. We want to pass our condolences on to everybody there. Very sad news to start with. Yep. Right, let's see if we can go on to something a little bit more upbeat now. Uh, we've got two albums to talk to you about today. So the first album we want to uh, talk about today is The Rise of Chaos by Accept. Now that's out on the 4th of August through Nuclear Blast Records. Um, Heather, what did you think of that? Um, overall, I did enjoy it. There was one particular song on there, I can't remember what it was called. Analogue Man. Yeah. Um, that remind me very much of Balls to the Walls. In fact, when I heard it, I actually thought that's what it was. It's just it's like a, a different version of it's it. It's got a very but, similar sort of rhythm mm, and groove feel to it, hasn't it? You could tell it yeah. was by the same band, definitely. It was still it was a in nice the same song ballpark. in itself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That was my favourite song off that album, uh, to be honest, Analog Man. Uh, there were some other very good songs on there as well. Die by the Sword, the very first track. Uh, Carry the Weight, Kool-Aid. Um, Rise of Chaos mm. itself. But I think the standout song on there is going to be Analog Man and that's the song I think will definitely make its way onto the live set list. It's got a very catchy pre-chorus to it, it would fit very well with a live feel. Very Accept. I think if you are familiar with Accept you probably know uh, what you're going to get with this album. All the way through it's consistently good, there's some really good drumming all the way through. Uh, The twin guitars by you and Hoffman sound very good. There are uh, some very good solos in there as well overall I really enjoyed this, this album um, several of these are going on to my own little playlist yeah I think with <laughs> your this, little playlist the one that's what, what is it 23 hours long now it's very very long yeah. <laughs> but I think with this album except show why they're still at the, the top of the mm. uh, German metal scene really there's some really good stuff on here the first time these songs are going to be played live is going to be at the Wacken Open Air 2017, which starts in just over a week. Yep. So if you're at Wacken, you'll have a chance to catch some of those songs. I'm giving this one an 8 out of 10. Ooh. i say very, very pleased with this album. I always enjoy a good album from Except. The second album we want to talk about is Seasons of the Black by Rage. Now, this is their 23rd studio album over the course of a 33-year career. Mm. This is out on July the 28th, again through Nuclear Blast Records. Um, Some songs on there that particularly stood out to me, uh, Farewell, Blackened Karma, Septic Bite and Justify. Um, One of the interesting things about this album, it's not the first time they've done this, but there's four tracks on the album which collectively make a 20-minute opus out of those four tracks. 
collectively those tracks together are, are called The Tragedy of Man. Mm. Uh, but the individual songs on there are Gaia, um, Justify, uh, Bloodshed in Paradise and Farewell. And those, uh, those four songs together uh, tell a story about the extinction of man. So we're going from the beginning cool. through to the end of mankind, uh, based on the way man's mistreated the earth and and <laughs> man's greed. Yeah, a little bit on the apocalyptic <laughs> side, but actually that al- those those four tracks are where that album really shines. I mean, mm. I, I loved Black and Karma and, and Septic Bite on on that album. But you quite like albums like tens a lot of albums that have that kind of a storyline yeah, as well. You like stuff like that. But the actual songs themselves are really good. Mm-hmm. As I say, Justify I, was cracking, but Farewell, the very last song on the album and the last song of those four tracks uh it's got a very sorrowful sound to it really epic mm-hmm. uh quite dark at times but we do like our epic dark song yeah. <laughs> but it's actually the i'd say probably the softest song apart from the one minute track that opens up the, that four four track opus mm-hmm. um it's probably the slowest song on there it's not a slow song, but it is the slowest song on the yeah. on the album, um, and it really is absolutely beautiful. There, the the guitars, the solos on there are absolutely fantastic on that song. Um, the vocals really emotional, but I would say overall the entire album is really blistering. If you like metal at all, this is an album that you want to try out, and if you are a Rage fan, this is definitely not one that you want to miss for your collection. So I'd, I'd say I'd give this one a... Uh, I was going to give it an, an 8.5 until I got to um, Farewell at the end of the, the song and that one upped it to a, a 9 for me. Yay! So that, that, song, it, that song alone would be enough to have made me go out and buy the album if I didn't like any other song on that album. And that says a lot coming from you. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I can't recommend that song enough. Um, but as I say, that is out on the 28th of July, so not long now, from Nuclear Blast Records. So go check it out. Also, if you are not already a subscriber to our audio podcast, uh, you can find our podcast for this show on iTunes, Stitcher and Blueberry. It'd be really great if you can go check it out and please leave a a review for us. Thank you. Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. Welcome to uh, Tiny Meeple's Big Talk. Where this time, instead of talking about games that are in a box and on cardboard and all things like that, and miniatures that are painted, we're going to talk about computer games for once. Yes. And in particular, uh, video game crossovers. And do you want to explain what that's about? Yep. Now, we're not talking about video game crossovers that are actually out there, like Marvel versus Capcom, for example. Mm-hmm. We're actually talking about um, ones that we haven't seen but we'd like to see. And rather than merging two entire universes, we're talking about taking a character from one game franchise or one game universe mm. and putting them straight into another universe. Yeah, and just basically the game will be starving them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and some of these, we didn't know that we'd like to see it until we actually really thought about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and some of them we really thought about. It. <laughs> yeah. Now, I am going to come out on a limb here and say I reckon there's going to be some crossover between the games that you were thinking about and the games that I was thinking about. Now, I haven't seen your list, you haven't seen my list. Nope. Uh, and we're going to keep it that way. <laughs> but all things shall be revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a couple in my list where I was thinking about what universe I'd like to put them in. And there was a couple of characters that I thought I'd like to see in a particular universe. Only two have got that kind of crossover, but I'll explain that as we come to it. I just thought some of them were funny. Some of the ones on my list... 
well, some I say some of the ones that are on my list. Some of the ones that aren't included on my list are because I thought you might have put them on your list. <laughs> right, we'll see if I've filled in the gaps in your list then. Okay, let's do this. Are you can- <laughs> Okay. Richard. Right, my first one I'm going to say is Prince of Persia in Deus Ex. Sweet. Now, my particular reason for that is that there's a lot of decisions to make in Deus Ex and sometimes they turn out not quite the way that you wanted. I was thinking particularly about um, whether or not to give someone that uh, know, little drug thing and then they really <laughs> hate you after that and like try to kill you or something. <laughs> and I just thought the Prince of Persia, if you regret something, you can just go... Backwards. Well, that's, that is what the save game function's there for. There is save games, yeah. <laughs> but what I was thinking was, uh, make it a bit similar to the game uh, Life is Strange, mm. where man, this girl has time powers, but uh, the Prince of Persia has also other good stuff, like mm. running on the wall and stuff like that. But in Life is Strange, you can talk to someone, you find something out about them, then you rewind time, and then you start the conversation knowing what you know. <laughs> and it's pretty good. It's pretty good to do that. So I think in Deus Ex, Prince of Persia could do quite well. Well, there we are. There's Richard's uh, number one. Now, I actually did think about both of those games when I was compiling my list. Hmm. Um, I thought your first one might be my first one. Tifa Lockhart. Yeah. Not just yeah. in anything. No, no, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, this entire list could be Tifa Lockhart in anything. Yeah. So. Uh, that's a, that that's a different saying. video. Um, yeah. But there was two universes I'd particularly like to see Tifa Lockhart in. Mm-hmm. One was the universe of Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. And this is basically because I want to see Tifa beat the living snot out of some stormtroopers. She'd be like the blind guy in Rogue One. That's what yeah. I was thinking. So like, like, a, like kind of a force adept level. But yeah, I thought cool. it'd be pretty fun to see her beating the hell out of some stormtroopers for a bit. Yeah, that would um, work. The other thing I'd like to see her in is Arkham Asylum. Or, any, or basically any of the Arkham games. Any of the Arkham games. but like Running around, fighting. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, just running around, clearing up Bat's mess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Bats, Bats takes prisoners. Yeah, yeah. Tifa, Tifa would clean town pretty fast. Yeah, she wouldn't take any nonsense, would she? I mean, she does give Cloud a lecture sometimes, so that basically the Joker would feel very put in his place, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I did think a lot about Final Fantasy characters. Cause, but and then you decided we'd make this list. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I just thought there's there's so many of them and I'd like them to be in so many different games and stuff and basically Kingdom Hearts kind of did it a mm. little bit so but yeah that that's an interesting one that so my next one is Lara Croft in Assassin's Creed and that's our first well I say crossover I actually thought of that but didn't write it down because I thought you were going to come up with it nice <laughs> you did think of it yeah now I know my co-host <laughs> there is two reasons for that Ooh. let's hear them one when is... you say two reasons <laughs> come on. Uh, the the first reason is that I think it would be it would be fun for her to be actually in the past because like she's an archaeologist mm-hmm. and I was thinking of her being like the Ezio type character or the Altair rather than the person in the Animus although that would mm-hmm. also be pretty good. Um, so then she can actually see history. She can actually get artifacts back when they were new, stuff like that. Also, there's the fact that she carries two guns around with her all the time, and I think it would be a bit like. The scene in um, in Indiana Jones when the guy's got the sword, <laughs> and I just imagine like all these knights with swords, and then she's in the middle doing like gun cutter from Equilibrium, and just like there'd be piles of dead knights all around. See, yeah, I also thought that, and uh, partly because again, Assassin's Creed has puzzles in it. There's a lot of climbing in it. Lara would be 
brilliant for that. It's, it's and similar games, isn't it? You're only going to make your game better by adding Lara Croft. Yeah, yeah. any of these could do that, yeah. So, on to my next game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take Sonic the Hedgehog and put him in Alien Isolation. Ah <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, stay with, stay with me here, right? That's a great game. This getting mm. somebody who takes out bad guys by charging into them at high speeds and those bad guys being full of acid, I does have definite issues. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking, you know, like how he he would do a spin dash, drop down on someone and leap off as they exploded. Mm-hmm. I was assuming he was fast enough to get away before the acid blood took out our favorite hedgehog. Yeah, actually. And but I want to see him spin dash a xenomorph. Yeah, that would be Make fun. it happen. Yeah, and he's so fast. Like, I don't think it could catch up with him anyway, even if he did kind of need to run away. And um, there are those synths mm. in um, Alien Isolation. And I imagine them going off like the um, like the robots in Sonic. Just like, poo, poo. <laughs> <laughs> and then like hit a xenomorph after that. <laughs> How fun would that be? Yeah. Make it happen, Sega. That would Sega. be very fun, yeah. Um, another one... This one I just thought just just for me was Darth Vader from Battlefront mm-hmm. in Star Trek Online. <laughs> now that's a game that I like, and um, but I just think it would really mess with everybody's heads if suddenly Vader was there storming <laughs> through using the Force on everyone because like no one else has got the Force in Star Trek, and I just thought that could be fun just to annoy everyone in an MMO. So that's that's just a little one for me. Right uh, for me, um, Mario uh, for, Mario. of the. F- Famously known as one of the Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, two games I wanted to see Mario in. Mm-hmm. First one, any basically basically any game involving the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a Cooper. Yeah, yeah, and Bowser. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever he's called. I yeah, that would be fun. That's like um, his nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I basically I wanted to mentally torture a beloved <laughs> Italian plumber. <you> know? <laughs> so yeah, so Mario in TMNT. The other one I really wanted to see him in was Resident Evil. Mario. <laughs> you got it on there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think you'd get that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, it's just so it's just a funny idea, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, just him running around, dropping on people, and running off. Yeah, Imagine yeah, that, basically, just jumping on the zombies' heads. Yeah. <laughs> or just being really traumatized. Yeah. I just think that would be, you know, he's looking for Peach. He doesn't know where Luigi is. Mm. You know, it would just be fun. And I was thinking of there being a zombified Waluigi <laughs> after him. That would or be zombie scary. Bowser. Yeah, yeah, that would be terrible as well. So yeah, I think basically we both want to traumatise Mario, really. <laughs> he just shouldn't be so happy and dressed so brightly. Yeah. And then we wouldn't put him in such dark games. <laughs> yeah. There okay. is a certain irony, isn't it, though, to taking a, such a, a bright, cheerful, happy character and putting them in the darkest universe <laughs> yeah. you can think of. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, my next one's similar. Sonic and Tails in Call of Duty. So we've both got a Sonic, we've both got a Mario. Yeah, now I was thinking of them both together um, because I was thinking of the... Well, I haven't really done Call of Duty. First-person shooters aren't really my thing, but um, I was thinking of the original like uh, World War Two one <laughs> with Sonic and Tails in the middle of that. Can you imagine, um, though? You're in the trenches. You've just survived mustard gas, and all of a sudden mm. a bright blue hedgehog goes flying past <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, that's super... it. I was just wondering how that would go, and also... The fact that they're two friends that have gone off to war. <laughs> so basically, imagine Sonic all... <laughs> I go, no! With a dead Tails there, or some, something like that. Poor Tails! <clears throat> Why did Tails have to die? Because he's the sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, realistically. The sidekick's always the first to go. Yeah, which one's going to die? Or Tails could just fly. 
he could be like in the Battle of Britain, like just spinning <laughs> his tail. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, so on to my next one. Mm-hmm. Ezio Arditori di Firenze. Oh, that's Assassin's, uh, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Two guy. In Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh no! Opposite. <laughs> well, it's if Lara's if Lara's in Assassin's Creed, then we need an Ezio in Tomb Raider. It now, just it leaves a gap in yeah yeah that. Obviously, he's going to be very. Uh, he's going to know where to go and dig up because he'll know where all the buried cities are from his time. You <laughs> he's know. going to be angry that everything's got so old. <laughs> yeah. He's going to again like like one of the reasons I put Lara into. Um, you know, one of the reasons I thought Lara in Assassin's Creed would be good would be because of, you know, she's good at climbing, she's good at solving puzzles. Well, so is Ezio. Yeah. He and is. he does it with, you know, hidden daggers. Yeah, so, here's the daggers. I mean, I, I was. I was wanting uh, Lara with her guns to be an Assassin's Creed, but um, yeah, Ezio with the two daggers <laughs> in uh, in Tomb Raider that would be interesting as well. And his finding, stealth skills, finding relics, going through tombs. I mean, it's it's not a far leap, is it, from some of his adventures in the uh, Assassin's Creed games? Oh, really? So I thought, yeah, Ezio Arditori to Firenze. So I'm counting that as some crossover. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, my next one's a, another one that I just thought was funny um Sora, Donald and Goofy from <laughs> from Kingdom Hearts in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, yeah. Talk us through this, Richard. Talk us through it. Well, like I just thought of uh, cartoon characters um stealing cars <laughs> and shooting unarmed people. Riding I don't know. Dirty. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the kind of stuff that goes off in Grand Theft Auto um it would just be yeah. If Disney characters were doing it, just <laughs> that that would just be very funny. So, yeah, I thought that, and also traumatizing as well. I mean, we traumatized Mario. We've got to do a similar thing to uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy. Um, yeah, I was just thinking what Kingdom Hearts characters. Would be. I thought of Mickey, but then he's not really the main one. But those, those three being the main ones, mm. and uh, I can just imagine Goofy getting arrested and being like, "Gosh." <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, Donald trying to break him out of prison. Yeah, okay. So, we've had um, Tifa Lockhart cleaning up the streets of Arkham. Yes. I want to see Batman Mm -hmm. in Skyrim. Batman in Skyrim. (laughs) Think about it. All those gadgets that no one else is going to have. I want to see Batman fight a dragon. Yeah, Batman fighting a dragon. You can't tell me that that's not going to be a fun game to play. That would be a fun game to play, yeah. Um... I imagine he would do- join the Dark Brotherhood pretty quickly in that, um, for all the sneaking around. Not the Thieves Guild so much. Um, yeah, I could imagine him in that universe, and uh, I think he would. Batman would do well against any enemy, wouldn't he, really? So, yeah, yeah defeating a dragon. Now, my next one is the Dragonborn from Skyrim, <laughs> but in Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, which is interesting. Uh, one of my favourite Star Wars games. Um, it's very much an RPG mm-hmm. that game, so that's why I thought the Dragonborn would be quite interesting to be in that universe. He doesn't have the Force, but he has shouts mm. like these dragon shouts, and I just thought it would be interesting for there to be a dark Jedi go against him, and then he just goes, "What? Oh, I can't remember what he said." He's like, "Thoom!" Don't, <laughs> like don't do it! Don't away. wreck the room! Yeah, I mean, sorry, yeah. Don't say the words, man! Yeah, you've got a lot of these precious games. Yeah, Roda. <laughs> So yeah, I just thought that'd be interesting just to see what happened. Though. A dragonborn in Knights of the Old Republic. May die straight away, but hopefully not. Okay, this is the second time this character's getting a mention. Mm-hmm. Lara Croft. <laughs> well, we have to mention her a few times. Yeah. Now, there was two games that I wanted to see her in, and I'll explain why. First of all, Arkham City. 
Yeah. Okay. I'd quite like to see Lara <laughs> like Croft thrown in there as a political prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the streets of Arkham, cleaning up Arkham, fighting the Joker, solving the Riddler's puzzles. Well, she'd shoot them all dead. I mean, yeah. she doesn't have Batman scruples, really, no. does she? <laughs> but can you just imagine Lara uh, trying to engage in a battle of wits with someone like the Riddler? Yeah, I mean... Work, work out his traps and everything. I think she'd be pretty cool. So she'd that's... do it a lot quicker, I think. I yeah. mean... I mean, she's pretty clever. I mean, especially in the new ones. She's, like, properly been to university and stuff. <laughs> I know Batman has. But yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so Lara Croft in Arkham City. The other place I wanted to put Lara Croft, Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm glad we both thought about that game. That, yeah. again, is my favourite uh, Star Wars game. It's incredible. Both 1 and 2 Knights of the Old Republic are both fantastic. And you can get them on And I love now. the idea. playing it. Yeah. Okay. But just imagine being Lara, having a game where Lara Croft is exploring, uh, you know, an old buried Sith temple. Yeah. How epic would that be? I mean, that's that's got to be up up there with the best. Yeah, actually, that that Sith temple is pretty uh, good. Yeah, the Sith Academy. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so there we are, Lara Croft in Arkham City and Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, she would pretty much so- very soon discover all the secrets of the Sith. Yeah, <laughs> she'd know more about them than they did. Yeah, that's cool. Um. Now this one, not so much cr- a crazy one, but I thought they'd really fit in really well, is Link and Zelda, both yeah. of them, in Shadow of the Colossus. Interesting. Now, Shadow of the Colossus, basically um, the main guy, one, I think his name is Wanda, um, so he faces off against these giants, and it's because he wants to bring back to life his uh, dead girlfriend. Mm. <laughs> a great role for Zelda. because like <laughs> He Link's wants Zelda to, to be serve- dead? Yeah, but with Link trying to revive her. So she's the corpse. And <laughs> but yeah, because um, a lot of it is like... Well, she's doing better than Princess Peach with Mario in... Well, it's just I've seen that there's been a lot of memes and stuff about like, Link spending ages learning how to fish and then Zelda going, where are you? I need to get <laughs> rescued. And it just reminded me of Shadow of the Colossus where, um, yeah, it's very much the the princess or whatever she is. Um, the the girl from the tribe, and she is kind of back at the temple, and you're doing so much to try and save her, and it just reminded me of Legend of Zelda, and I thought they'd be a bit of a cartoon element to go in there. <laughs> yeah. So there we are. Now I'm down to my last two here. I have two, but then I've got my um, all time what I've put Crash Bandicoot in because we were talking before, and I was saying that. I found it difficult not to just put Crash Bandicoot in everything just because it'd be so funny. So I'm saving the one that I did. You're saving the best until last. Yeah, until last. Okay, well, in that case, I will reveal Mm -hmm. Adam Jensen from from Deus Ex Human Revolution. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. I always think of JC Denton, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Denton was from the first Deus Ex game. Yeah, yeah. I love both of those games. They're both incredible. This is the guy with that carbon fiber blade thing and everything. Yeah. I want to see him in Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, lots of sneaking. Lots of sneaking around. Um, his tech will be really useful. He's got just... more tech than Snake, hasn't he? Yeah, I definitely think he would, he could do a better job than Snake. Ooh, okay. I'm putting it out there, internet. <laughs> Come get me. <laughs> Come get you. Do you do your worst to that guy. He yeah. like, oh. <laughs> You can edit it so it sounds like I'm saying it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, and next on Richard's controversial gaming views. Right, now mine is Manny from Grim Fandango, who's basically a, a skeleton-type hard-boiled 
PI type guy. He's mm. pretty cool. In Need for Speed Carbon, I just thought it'd be interesting. Uh, an interesting image. I like the. Um, I don't play many racing games, but I've always liked Need for Speed. Need for Speed Carbon was mostly set at night, and I can just imagine him like turning up in a very tricked out <laughs> car. Uh, to a race and then everybody looking and it's just a skeleton behind the wheel <laughs> I just thought that'd be pretty good so what's your next one? My and the last one I've got on this list mm-hmm. Starkiller from, from The Force, the Force Unleashed. Unleashed he was, he was awesome he, yeah. was pre- he was pretty tough um, possibly overpowered it was a bit but, OP one team I mean, it was The Force Unleashed yeah. and it is The Force so. and I'd like to see him in any Warhammer game <laughs> yeah really now good. If you're not familiar with Warhammer or the 40k universe, I was thinking more 40k than Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, you've got a ship full of uh, Tyranids mm-hmm. ascending Starkiller. Yeah, you know? Starkiller. He goes through, tears up all the Tau, the Eldar. Mm. You know, he he could take out the Necrons. Um, I know the awesome thing about it is most of the time Vader's told him to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is an Emperor in both universes. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, a rotting emperor and uh, another rotting emperor. So, yeah. Uh, so, Starkiller, basically in any Warhammer uh, game, would be pretty epic. But, I mean, he would be going through carving up enemies left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. There would there are people in the Warhammer universe who would give him a good fight, but I would just expect yeah, like him to tear like, through anywhere. Librarian-type guys and stuff. Mm. Yeah, they would... Yeah. So, um, my one, a little bit similar... The well, not not really. The Teuton faction from Age of Empires 2 in any Facebook farming game. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it would be interesting for like people to be growing crops and stuff and then they're just kind of building a fort and like, <laughs> raising, like burning things down and going streetant and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've just always liked that faction from Age of Empires and I just thought it would be funny for lots of like random characters from a game to swarm into another game and ruin it for everybody. <laughs> so yeah, that was that. Um, and my one that I decided to put Crash Bandicoot in was Metal Gear Solid. Gotcha! Yeah, I know, you've already done a Metal Gear Solid, but I just thought, who's the least stealthy character I know? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of Crash Bandicoot. I just imagined him... Well, for one thing, if you're hiding under a cardboard box... It doesn't matter if you're Snake or Crash Bandicoot. He could like hand in the box, get into the base right, where all the genome soldiers are and everything, and then get out of it, and then just be going around <laughs> and sending them all going <laughs> off. And then if he dies, he's just like, wow. <laughs> and it, it would just be pretty good for him to be in a very mismatched game. Well, I think that was that was a lot of fun for me to go through that those lists with you. So we've got quite a few areas of crossover there, haven't we? Because we've both thought of the Deus Ex. We've both yeah. thought of um, Lara Croft. We've both thought of Metal Gear Solid. It's quite a good Tomb Raider, good area, really, Assassin's Creed. We, um, we but we've both like done very different s- things with these, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. We like a lot of similar games, but also a lot of different ones as well. So yeah, I think the well, only sort of we've got absolute exact matchup with Mario in Resident Evil. So, who would have thought of that? Oh, exactly. <laughs> so one thing we've both yeah. found today is, quite randomly, we both want to torture an Italian plumber, mentally. Yeah. I've got nothing against Mario. <laughs> it's just, it would be funny. That's what I thought. I just thought it'd be hilarious to see that happen. Yeah, sorry so, Mario. Sorry Luigi. I know you're going to have to like pay for wait a minute, psychiatry wait a bills and stuff. It's all this part of your secret plan to get Princess Peach lonely and on the rebound. 
Um, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't really think of that actually, but maybe that was subconsciously what I was doing, like putting Mario into a mansion full of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll be like, I'll rescue you! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, those are our video game crossovers. If anybody's watching this, please make it happen. We'd like to know what you think, what your, uh, what you think of our crossovers, and what video game crossovers you would like to see. This so, is like a, a detailed survey of two people, yeah. of what the games market really wants to see in games. So, really should make this happen. It could be a goldmine. People want to see plumbers and zombies in the same thing. Yes. This is it. Make it happen, folks. Yep. I don't know who you are, but we're the Middlesome Meeples, and it's time to talk about books. A very particular set of books. So welcome to this episode of, of Tome Talk, where Richard today is going to be talking to us about Counter Clock World by Philip K. Dick. Yep, I will be talking about this, and although it is a sci-fi book... Um, you have to not ruin this with any of your precious science. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Is so, this putting the fiction in science fiction? Yeah, pretty much. Um, which a lot of Philip K. Dick's books do, do, actually, because um, he he tends to be a bit more philosophical with things and his stories are a bit more about the characters having kind of an existential crisis and things, but then he puts it in a world, like a very futuristic world. Mm. And what this one is, it is actually written in 1968, and it's set in the futuristic year of 1998. Wow. And, yeah. But what's happened is... Did we all have hovercrafts? They all have cars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. They, they call them... He just calls them cars, but then they go flying off into the sky. I so. love how people like in the 60s imagine that the 1990s might be. I know, yeah. I, I wish it was. I wish it had been like that. I wish I could remember. I was promised a hoverboard, right? <laughs> yeah. We've already gone past the year of the hoverboard. Yeah. Didn't exist. Um, but what happened in this particular world is that in the year 1986, something called the Hobart Phase started, which actually reversed time. So, although they've counted the years carrying on going forward, what's actually been happening is that everything's been going backwards. Mm. And it is a very weird concept, and that's what makes this uh, an interesting book. And what we have at the start of it, um, just to kind of set the scene, is that it starts with a police officer who's kind of on patrol, and he hears a voice coming from the graveyard. So he goes and investigates, and basically it's somebody buried that's come back to life and wants to get out, uh, as you can imagine. And um, But apparently this is a normal thing in their world. He kind of drops an air shaft through. He's got a thing in his car for mm. doing that. And then calls this, um, I think it's called a vitarium. It's like the opposite of a funeral parlour. <laughs> and uh, they come out with special digging equipment and dig up this person. And that really kind of just shows you the kind of things they're having to deal with in this world and basically it follows the story of this small uh, vitarium it's owned by sebastian hermes he ends up being basically the main character of this and if life's taught us anything is it's that someone called sebastian's going to turn out to be a villain is he a villain um i wouldn't call him a villain but i wouldn't i wouldn't exactly call him heroic either i call him a normal guy so but a few of the characters in this do disappoint you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's some of the, what they do is a bit morally questionable, and that again makes the story quite interesting. Mm. Um, 
the fact that everything's going backwards, I mean, it seems weird to you for a while as you're reading it, but then the kind of story that's involved in it is more about kind of espionage mm. and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say it's a story that could be set in our world because there are some elements of it that only work when time's going backwards, but you kind of get used to that and then you just worried about like which agents is going to catch up with them too fast and things like that so uh, one of the um, the strongest elements in this book the, well the strongest uh, organisations in this mm. book that I'm talking about is the library and this reminds me a little bit of Fahrenheit 451 <laughs> I don't know what it is with my books but they have to um, eradicate books mm. not by burning them like they did in, in that other book Um but what they do is they wait until there's only a few copies of a book left because obviously time's going backwards. Yeah. So eventually, instead of being thousands of copies mm. of it, there'll only be about four and then there'll only be the original manuscript. And then what they do is they get the author of it to come in and he has to sit there and delete it word by word, <laughs> which must be a horrible job to have to do. Um, and basically somehow that kind of eradicates it mm. um, just so the right information kind of gets deleted at the right time. It's a weird concept because they seem to be thinking forwards, mm. things like that, and yet it seems like the rest of thermodynamics is going backwards. Like if somebody's smoking a cigarette, the cigarette's getting longer. Yeah. yeah little things like that. Reminds uh, me of uh, a certain episode of Red Dwarf. That's what I was thinking of, yeah, yeah. the backwards episode. Um, it's very much like that, except the people aren't talking backwards. Um it's a little bit more of a easy to understand world mm. than that episode of Red Dwarf I mean, are people getting younger as well or yep they are yep. getting younger this is one of the problems that Sebastian Hermes has because um, his wife is quite a bit younger than him and he's starting to be more of a father than a husband <laughs> <laughs> and it gets weird yeah not not in the book, but he's feeling weird about it, and they're just kind of looking ahead to well, it's going to be strange. That, end up I mean, being I'm married to a younger woman, and, and if time mm-hmm. was moving backwards, if there would be backwards. A, a point where it just becomes illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So, um, yeah, and also, not only are dead people coming back to life, but it's like children are people that have been alive for a long time mm. and then they've kind of shrunk down and they kind of mentioned that people have to try and find a womb to go into or something which is just bizarre there are yeah. there are uh, elements of science fiction that have covered those kind of storylines before they I mean, have and it's always bizarre Red Dwarf moving back through time there was an episode of Book Rogers I believe that had yeah. the same premise yeah there was reserves. yeah and it's it's always quite interesting, but at the same time quite uh, disturbing. It is as well because it defies the laws of nature. It does. Um, if things were running backwards completely, there wouldn't really be any way for us to know because our brains would be working that way as well. And like we experience if that was things. How we always lived our lives, we wouldn't know any different. Would yeah, we? that's but the thing, and that's kind of how they did it in Red Dwarf, mm. where because that was a different universe, wasn't it? Mm. Where things were always going backwards, whereas this world is somewhere where it's been going forward and then it was going to start going backwards and right. it was going to be like for thousands of years because mm. um, it's called Hobart Phase because this scientist Hobart had worked it out and they're talking about how you'll get to the point where like the the priest was um, quoting uh, St Paul but then thinking about the fact that at some point he's going to come back to life <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's just weird so um, 
Yeah. So you have to try and get your head around that as you're reading it. You yeah. do, yeah. Um, and like you were saying, certain aspects of it are kind of the right way round, like the way they were thinking and everything, but they're still kind of regurgitating things instead mm. of eating, like in Red Dwarf. Um, one weird aspect I found of this was that the policeman, he doesn't like to anybody to see him when he's doing this. And a lot of them don't, actually. They kind of, they kind of eat privately. Which is just regurgitating stuff and then putting the stuff in the fridge. <laughs> and this is but his and wife then later is, on taking it back to the shop to get yeah money. yeah they have to take yeah. it to the supermarket yeah it all runs like that is bizarre I don't know how the economy is meant to work yeah. but um, yeah but his wife is talking to him and she kind of comes to the door but with her eyes closed so that she won't embarrass him kind of thing and just that image just. I found it a bit creepy, <laughs> and but yeah, it was a quite an interesting book because what what is actually happening is that somebody very famous is about to come mm. back to life. People have kind of been waiting for it, but nobody knows exactly where he's buried. But this uh, Sebastian Hermes is the one that ends up finding it out, and it ends up being a bit of a uh, a race to um, to get control, really. So yeah, I found that quite an interesting aspect of it. Um, Language-wise, um, I think he made some quite interesting choices because some of the sentences, to me, seem to be written a little bit strange. And when I was about halfway through, I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, he's kind of put the phrases backwards a lot of the time. To make, well, yeah. that would make, make sense, wouldn't Yeah, wouldn't yeah, it, obviously the sentences forward, but... Were people talking like Yoda? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not quite <laughs> to the level of Yoda, not quite that bad. But some of the sentences that I have to reread, I don't know if he did that... On purpose, um, it, it doesn't seem like it would make sense. Just things like, um, to him it was impressive, rather than he was impressed. Mm. That that kind of thing. It, it just seemed to be reversed slightly. So uh, that took a little bit of getting used to, but then when I did, it just seemed normal. And yeah, I, I just kind of got got into the story. And after a while, when they mentioned something going backwards, I had to remind myself, like, oh yeah, that's time is moving backwards in this world. So. Um, yeah, it's the sci-fi where they just pick one weird thing mm. and then just write a story about it. Um, I sometimes just like that kind of thing, just to explore one idea. And um, as we've said, it's been done a few times, but I thought this was quite an interesting um, way of doing it. Um, yeah, I, I think... I'm not sure whether I would kind of recommend the book. Um, I just think it's an interesting idea and... Um, I think if you're kind of interested in kind of the concept of, of strange stories about time, <laughs> then and it's a good one. And it certainly is um, interesting if you do like, um, like the novels of, of Philip K. Dick. I, I thought it was so A lot of people that... might not necessarily recognise Philip K. Dick by name, but they would probably know of Blade Runner. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I was thinking it's... I like to sometimes pick books that aren't the most famous one by the mm. author, um, just because... Um, it might be something that someone's missed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Blade Runner. Um, that was actually called "Do Androids Dream of Electric yeah. Sheep," which I, I read a long time ago. And yeah, that's an interesting one about um, about androids. But again, it's very much about the the people and uh, their weird personal crises mm. that they'll have. And um, reality didn't break down so much in this one as it normally does in a Philip K. Dick book. Normally. Um, people are wondering what's real and stuff like that they knew what was real in this one they just yeah. didn't know ethically what to do a lot of the time or what they could do so 
yeah, it's just an interesting one that you you may that people may have missed. So sounds like yeah. an interesting read. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So that's Philip K. Dick, Counterclock World. Counterclock World. Yeah. So there we are, twelve episodes in, and the government haven't made us stop yet. <laughs> no, they've tried. You know those black helicopters flying overhead. They don't worry me. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're so, keeping the public informed, whether they like it or not. And when and when we say informed, we really are using that word loosely. <laughs> <laughs> Major concerns. Well, you know more stuff than you did before you started watching. There we are. You, you know hopefully. kind of what games we want to see game characters from other ones then. Which beloved children's characters we want to mentally torture. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to know these things. Yeah. Tiny Meeple's big talk took a really dark turn. <laughs> and we've all thought it. <laughs> so there we are. You know, Mario's dead. He's trying to get off with Princess Peach. We've completed the recording of uh, episode 12. Please uh, drop us, if you can, drop us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show, especially if it's good. And, (laughs) well, you know, everyone gets a bad review now and then. We just don't want all of them to be bad reviews. Save it for next time. I'll stop doing that then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Richard. Just trolling. <laughs> Didn't mean it. So yeah, please drop us a comment on there and stop by, see us on Twitter and say hi. So thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Stay meddlesome. Bye. But don't be meddlesome on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. You touched my glass. That's too meddlesome. (laughs) (laughs) No one meddles in another one's drinks. (laughs) Farewell, Quester, and thanks for joining us. If you wish to avoid the wrath of Greyscar and the Black, then subscribe to our show before you depart. Our fortress is located at meddlesomemeeples.com or join our banners by rendezvousing with us at facebook.com forward slash meddlesomemeeples instagram.com forward slash the meddlesome meeples or follow the flight of the mountain bluebird to at meddlesome meeples until next time quester farewell and keep thine axe sharp